Yes, hello folks, welcome to the Weekly Beyond the Pitch show. I'm your host as always, Phil Brown, joined with the excellent John Ludden. I've been wanting to do this for a long, long time with John. Most United fans will know who John is. You can follow John on Twitter, at John Ludden, I believe I've got that right. Um, John, of course, a very, very talented playwriter as well, and I'm a big United fan, and uh, someone that I have enormous respect for. It's John, absolute pleasure to have you on the, the podcast that I get your intro writing. Cheers, Phil. I think we should end it there, mate. To be <laughs> Make a dead say you got a 10-inch penis. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's been nice meeting you, pal. Nice no, listen, it, thanks a lot, mate. I really appreciate that. Well, mate, it's a pleasure to have you on. And uh, we're going to have a bit of fun today. We'll, have, we'll end this podcast with a bit of United trivia. I'm looking forward to asking you. Uh, I want to talk to you about a number of things, of course. I want to talk to you about the potential of new owners and what you see in the future. I want to talk to you about what United fans need to do now to make sure that they're front and centre and, and, and a major consideration of any new owners and how they run the football club. We'll talk about United in January. I'll get your views on the World Cup, Ronaldo and all that stuff. Um, first of all, John, how, 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 I assume you watched the World Cup. What do you think of it? Oh, mate, it, it's been like a Disney... It's been like a Disneyland World Cup, and it... it mm. It's been fantastic on the pitch. I mean, the stuff that goes on off it, you know, you just got to try and separate the two, aren't you? If you just, there's nothing you can do about it from watching it. But yesterday was just sensational. It's just a crack. I, I've enjoyed it, to be honest, Phil, because I, I've been laid up for a few weeks. I'm getting over pneumonia. And when it when it was when it was four games a day, I mean, I won't have got any work done anyway, you know. But mm-hmm. so I don't think. You see, I don't think these are all great teams anymore, but I think we're just blessed. We've still got one or two great players, and I, I, I'm I'm glad Argentina won actually for the little fellow because no one over the last 10, 15 years, alongside Ronaldo, you know, players who can do things that just you just think what the you know they're surrounded by five players, Messi, and one drop of the shoulders, a little jink, and he's gone. Yeah, it's just a total, it's just a total one off, and yesterday was just incredible. It was just a mad finish to a. As usual, John, the football saves, the football saves the business side, the football saves the debauchery. As usual, what's on the pitch is the antithesis to what's on it, and the entertainment on the pitch and the players was remarkable. And you're right about separating the two, and I, I say this. In, in I mean, it's so. difficult, isn't it? So it is difficult because what's going on there is, is shocking. But you just got to do it's just something. You just got to try and separate it. And I mean, if you don't want to watch it, you turn the telly off and you don't go. You know, it don't make you any better. Don't make you any worse. No, totally understand that. Job. There's a couple of things, right? Um, and I mean this with all sincerity because I've no doubt that some of the criticism level towards Qatar on the fringes is done by racists and bigots. I have no doubt about that. But that doesn't detract from the core message. And I really hope that the World Cup in America helps elucidate some of the problems, social problems, domestic and foreign policy here. Uh, And rightly does so as a consequence of what we've been doing in Qatar and everywhere else. America also needs to have a light shown on a lot of its problems too. I have no problems with that whatsoever. And I remain consistent in my criticism. Of that, well, this is but, the two-facedness of it all, isn't it, mate? That's the of course, and, and there's no doubt that uh, there's hypocrisy from journalists and everything else. What I would say, John, <clears throat> and I've never understood this argument, 
and respect our culture and respect our laws and everything else. That's a Tommy Robinson argument. Tommy Robinson makes exactly the same argument, and he's a bigot. Yeah. Right? And he yeah. uses that argument to 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 justify his Islamophobia, Islamophobia and everything else. And you shouldn't. To me, I think <clears throat> I grew up in a country that was torn apart by the Catholic Church. And I don't want to turn this into a political uh, podcast, but international focus and pressure rightly brought pressure to bear on those bastards that ruined women's lives, that trafficked children, that sexually abused boys, that felt it was their right to calibrate the moral compass of the country. Proselytizing from the pulpit about why we should live and how you shouldn't live. Meanwhile, they're the very... The, the epitome of everything they claim to, they claim yeah. to, 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 to protest against. So it really is important, in my opinion, that these types of pressures and criticisms are legitimate and brought to bear because and it takes one. Well, look at look at Mount Batten, Phil. It's all just yes, coming man. out about yes. it. people have gone for years. It's totally, totally hypocrisy from from all ends. Of course, you know this is why this is why you've got to try and separate it from the pitch. Mm-hmm. What goes on on the pitch to off it because you know better or worse if you turn the telly off or or you watch it. Yeah, you know what you're gonna do. No, completely but agree, mate. Uh, but uh, let's let's turn our attention to football um, because um, of course our beloved Manchester United. A lot happened since the World Cup. The whole Ronaldo incident seems so long ago now. Uh, the whole interview with so much has happened since then. Um, I want I want to uh, bring it back that time because. You know, if you look outside Old Trafford, there's a statue to a player that walked out in the football club numerous times due to his own personal problems. And what remains and what remains in the memory is the football, not the end and not the personal problems, not. Um, oh, I believe, yeah, I believe over time, Ronaldo will be forgiven and what will be remembered will be the football. Um, yeah. But um, what did you make of all that? Do you know the way I can, the, the only way I can compare it to is like you, you imagine Superman when he gets brought down by Kryptonite. Yeah. And Ronaldo Ronaldo's Kryptonite is he's just gone past that stage now where his mind's telling him he can do it, but he can't get there, you know, just that mm-hmm. extra inch. And I think it's just total frustration and everything that's gone on with him on the pitch, I I think it stems back to that. And also the the huge fact that he lost he lost the kid in the summer, and yes. I think if you just put it all together, like you you're losing it on the pitch, like a boxer in it, Phil. A boxer always thinks he's got one more fight in him. Yes, and a, a Ronaldo plus his ego, and you put all these things together, and I think, I think it's it's sad to see it end, but I could never really see it ending other way, ending any other way with Ronaldo because. Mm-hmm. Someone sometimes has got to tell him, you know, it's over. <laughs> you know, you're not yeah. the player you was. You're not uh, this, this absolute. I'm. Let's be honest. He's, he's been an absolutely magnificent player, hasn't he? But everybody, it, well, it comes to them all. Here's the same thing, thing will John. probably happen with Messi in a couple of years' time. You know, mind you, the amount of running eagles, maybe not. Well, the thing is, if you look at a lot of high-end athletes, mm. Floyd Mayweather, you look at um, Ronaldo, 
you look at Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, we've all got this single-mindedness about them, an arrogance. And the sport that they love and the clubs that they play for help create that. They fit into that. And they did that partly because they were able to monetize that as a brand, partly because it's what fueled Ronaldo. And when you look at, yeah. when it comes to the end, look at what's happening with Tom Brady at, at, uh, at, at the Buccaneers. And you look at the way Keane's career ended at United. That attitude, that personality that brings so much when a player is in his prime ends up becoming a problem. And uh, because it kills the performances, them. It kills them again. yeah, but I have some sympathy for them, John, in some sense, because, yeah. and I think King was trying to say this when he was leaving, like, you know, he had no problems with my attitude when I was winning trophies and, and leading his football club. But as soon as I wasn't capable anymore physically, then that became a it's problem. Really and it's always a balance between is the juice worth the squeeze? Is this really, you know, is it, is it, and I think that. You're right when you say it was always destined to end like this in that sense. I mean, you can go back with United, you can go back as far as uh, Dennis Law, Bobby Charlton, Nobby Styles to an extent. I mean, mm. Busby brought Tommy Doxy in to basically get rid of the, called it the old wood. Mm-hmm. You know, bring in the new talent. So Bobby yep. Charlton, I mean, Bobby retired, didn't he, before they got, he, Doxy got the chance to get rid of him, but he, he got rid of Dennis Law. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just with with these football clubs. Once you, it's like anything. Once you can't do it anymore, they, you're gone. And you look at Maradona. That's why there's another example. You know, as soon as he, as soon as he's going to do it on the pitch anymore, he's out the door. And this is where maybe I do have some sympathy for players, and where we're, we criticise players that want to leave. Oh, they want to go, you know, disloyal. But clubs are just yeah. as disloyal, and clubs are happy to cast players off whenever they're Absolutely. no longer of need to them. And, and so I think that the, the football, you know, the only people that are loyal are fans anyway. We know that, right? But um, which you know brings me to my next question, John. When we we look at what you know football is today, we we've lamented what's going on in Qatar, and in reality, is this is the way of the world today in in all aspects. Um, so United are going to get new owners, I would imagine, in the next quarter. Certainly looks that way. Uh, and depending on what generation you ask, depends on what type of owners they want to see. My personal view is, I'd like to see Jim Ratcliffe on the football club because I think Jim Ratcliffe more than anyone understands United's local significance and the culture of the football club and the values that fans still want to see the football club being run by and being guided by. What do you want to see in a new owner, John? Well, first of all, you want an owner that when they buy it, they don't take anything out of it for mm. the next 15 years. Like, that lot have done, I won't swear, Phil, because it's near Christmas. <laughs> but it's, uh, you, 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 want the, you want decent owners. But then again, mate, we're looking in the, it's the real world. Who's got the money to buy Manchester United? I mean, it's not, let's face it, it's not going to be Santa Claus coming down our chimney singing glory, right. glory, Man United, isn't it? It's yeah. either going to come from the Middle East. Personally, I don't think Radcliffe will touch United when he looks at how much with the debt I and agree. how much they want for it. 
I think it's going to come from the Middle East. I mean, you can't. The Russians are out of the picture, aren't they? The Chinese yeah. are out of the picture because the world's gone to hell. So right. I think the only people with the money. Do, do you know? Do, do you know? I think might go for it, mate. Who I think will probably the favourites now. I mean, I haven't got. I haven't. I haven't got your contacts at Bloomberg or the White House or the Kremlin. Don't have those. But, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I think I think the Qataris might make a move in on with Beckham. Because they've seen what football can do now. And you look at their feud with Saudi Arabia, I mean, what better way to keep this going? Yeah, and I six, do think... Six million quid, what, what, what's that for them? It's a, it's a, it's a weekend away, isn't it? It's a night out. I, I do feel that PSG is obviously, it's a beautiful city to get the glamour, but it doesn't have the competitive balance in the league. That allows. No. I mean, look, PSD and City are very similar. And City, in the same similar sense, that they have been financially doped to the eyeballs, but still have never been able to win a European Cup. Same with PSG. And I just feel that for United, United's the golden ticket for anyone to own in terms of brand reach and everything else. And I just feel. Do you want anyone sorry, to get attention sorry, to the No, no, I was just saying, anyone that um, that wants the old Manchester United, uh, you're quite right in the sense that it's long beyond the reach of reputable individuals. And so to me, you're looking at two, two, two potentials. You're looking at Americans or Middle Eastern. And yeah. I worry about an investment company because an investment company has one, the raison d'etre, is to make money. That's it. Right? And so they don't buy United unless their goal is to use it for the sole purpose of profit. And this, this is, is why I would worry about, about that. Taking out the, about taking out of the club because whoever buys United, so let's be honest, and if it's six billion, five billion with the debt, it's gonna be around that, isn't it? If they if they run United right They'll have the money back within five, ten years, if not, if not before. Because United, United at the moment are the only club in the world that are trying to take on clubs that are run by independent states, aren't they? They're yes. trying to spend that kind of money, and it, it just, it's just you just can't do it. Spend it, especially if you spend it like we do. And some of the, I'll say the what we bought over the years, mm-hmm. it needs to be run properly. You need the right people in the right positions from the top. Down to the board, whoever's running it. I you want the sort of opposite of someone like Woodward. I completely agree. No. Uh, but see to me, John, as 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 much as Edward Wood gets criticised, Edward Wood was a symptom of the problem of the great, the bigger problem. He was solely a consequence of the Glazers. If there's no Glazers, there's no Edward Wood, mm-hmm. right? And what I what I will say about Woodward, um, per, on a personal level. He's actually a, a nice guy. I actually don't mind yeah. him personally. I, I've spoken to him a lot of times, and he's never hidden what he is, right? So was he a football fun. man? Was he still in it? No, he's not he a talks, football man. He never, he never got United. He never got United, and yeah. he was there for too long. But, like but, I was saying before about the World Cup being a Disneyland, I think he thought United yeah. was a Disneyland. Well, in, in his a football. But, team. Yeah, but here's the thing, John, in his defence. You see that parlance? That's American parlance. That's that's American language about branding. 
that is Edward Ward is uh, the causality of Edward Ward is the Glazers. Simple as that. So to me, um, the problem we can get rid of Edward Ward, but we get another one in Richard Arnold, which is exactly the same. Right now, Richard Arnold is being guided by different principles right now because. He can no longer do the things that Edward Ward did. I have no doubt, had Ed, had Richard Arnold taken over in 2012, 13, he would have done exactly the same as Edward Ward. He was the second most senior employee at the football club. There's no way he wasn't up to his neck in every one of those bad decisions. But now he has the benefit of hindsight. And now he is also mm-hmm. in a, he's also has an intersectional problem with the fact that United financially can no longer be run the way they once were. So now they're being forced to behave like a football club. Um and uh I, I think um I think with Ten Hag they finally got a decision right. Yeah, I think he's a I think he's a breath of fresh air to San Phil. I really do. I'm, I'm a huge admirer of him. But I think he, I don't think he expected what he walked into in the summer. I really don't. I think it was a, sh- a shot to the system. Oh, uh, yeah, I agree. I just, I just think with the owners, with the state of the squad, and I, th- I think what he's done, I think he's done remarkable. I mean, after the first game against Brentford, I mean, I, I had mates of mine thinking we were going down. He was probably the same. Uh-huh. And I think I think he made up his mind there on certain players straight away, including including Maguire. He lets yep. he has had a he's had a cracking World Cup. Yeah. You know, I hope he comes back and it works out for him, but I don't know. I just think we've we've got a good one here, mate. And I think he's probably our best bet. I know we've had some on paper decent managers since Sir Alex left, but I think this this is this guy's the real deal. And I think the situation with Ronaldo I mean, I don't think he handled it perfectly. I think it just a bit of it just kind of fell into place for him. But it was obvious that he, he didn't want it. He, he wanted him gone. Here's and the I thing. think that kind of fell in his lap. Yeah. He definitely want. I, 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 it's hard for me to come. I mean, of course he would want him gone. I mean, there, there's just the cost benefit of Ronaldo. You know, the cost is far greater than the benefit at the moment. And... I agree. Like I think timing was really important. I think if that Ronaldo situation happens a year ago, United are not in the same position to do what they did. For Ronaldo, this is why I feel he's being he was really badly advised. If you could even advise a guy like that, I don't know if you could. To go after Ten Hag at a time when United fans were you know, were Ten Hag had won fourteen of his last nineteen games. Right, to go after a Ten Hag was stupid, right? Because uh, Ronaldo, you know, was not going to win that fight. First of all, secondly, no. I think um, last year he was such an important player for United that the balance of power would have been completely different. Also, I think last season, John, a lot of that behaviour would have blended in, but now because Ten Hag's completely changed the football club and changed what's acceptable and changed the whole dynamic. Stands you stand right. out for that for all the wrong mm-hmm. reasons. And I, you know, I think the sign of Martinez has been so important. Sometimes I feel it takes, John, we see, you, you and I remember when Cantona came to a football club 
and he was a, yeah. he was someone that brought everything together, that defined the, the dressing room, that defined so much of what United were, and completely changed the group dynamic. Well yeah. that scene, oh, unbelievable! Real you know, he'd kick his great grandmother. Never mind, just his grandmother, and that's what we needed. <laughs> Lovely. That's what we needed. It's and he's actually got us played to a certain style going through midfield. Mm-hmm. You know, when was the last time we had that? When we looked like we had some kind of like they'd actually been trained. You, I mean, let's be honest. Last last year and the year before, it was what was he doing during the week? Oh, how many goal, How many times did we lose a goal within the first minute? Or there's a, a dreadful mistake and it sets the scene and I, ju- I just think he's in training as well I mean this thing with Sancho I have no idea what's going on there I don't know mm. whether you do mate but I think he's just he's just lost his rag with him hasn't he? he's, just, he's just close to giving up I think with Sancho man, I, I, I'm not going to delve into it because to me I think uh, there's certain obvious things going on that um they deserve some privacy over. I think we have yeah. to realise that yeah. They're, yeah. they're human beings and they're affected by the vicissitudes of life in the same way you and I are. I mean, we talk about footballers, and usually this is done by young kids, in ways where they're not allowed to be human. You know, they're not allowed to be depressed because they make a certain amount of money. When you do, when you age in life, you realise how absurd these things are. Uh, you realise that that has nothing to do with how a human being feels. They don't walk around all day thinking, you know what, I got millions in the bank. They don't walk yeah. around all day going, I'm Jaden Sancho, I play for Man United. They're dealing with the same shit that good you kid, and I are mate. dealing with. I honestly, I, he comes across as a really good kid. Yes, the thing is with United, it chews people up. Manchester United is an absolute monster. Yeah, it does. And I mate. think that's why so many players have, have, have just not been up to it in the last few years because it does, it eats people up. Because the pressure, let's be honest, even when we're bobbins, mate, it's still incredible, isn't it? Well, that's the thing, brother John. If it's going well, right, see, whatever whatever situation United are in, it's going to amplify that. So if United are not, so the pendulum swings heavy both ways. So if if United are not doing well, the criticism and the pressure is going to be unfucking believable. If United are playing well, the praise. The emotional highs are going to be unbelievable. There's very little middle I mean, ground. It's always been feast or famine with United, and it makes since we were kids. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no in between. If, if you're winning, everything's all right. You lose a game, and it's carnage. And that was before social media, so everything's just been ranked up a thousand times now. I, I, I hope Sancho, I hope they get, they're getting back. I've just got a feeling that, you know, he's, he's just don't know he's not going to make it. You don't think, are you, are you doubting it? Why, why, do you, why are you doubting he's going to make it? I just don't think he's, I'm, I'm watching him as a player. I mean, he started off to see, he scored that great goal against Liverpool, didn't he? When he yeah. I, I just don't think he's, oh, I don't know whether he's a Tenag type of player. Let me yeah. ask you, John. What t- what is he as a player? He could go else. He could go elsewhere. Is he a winger? Is he a false nine? Is he because here's what I would worry about with Sancho. We've got too many of them, aren't we? Phil, that's another problem. We've got too many forwards. We just don't know the best position. Well, I look at Garnacho against Fulham, and Jaden Sancho mm-hmm. doesn't score that goal for two reasons. 
one, I don't think Sancho has the pace to get back in front of that defender. And two, he doesn't hug the line in the same way that uh, Garnacho does. Sancho is almost like that inverted winger that plays because he doesn't have lightning pace. He's technically very good on the ball. He's very... He, 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 and if you look at a lot of his assists with Dortmund, they came from I think inside. He's a Bundesliga player. I don't it, mean that in terms yeah. of quality. I mean in terms of the way he plays. I haven't given up on him. I still think there is a player there, no. but I'm just not sure. I think I think also part of his problem, John, is how good Granacho has been in that position, who to me is a genuine winger. He's a powerful piece as well, and he's got he's got something about him that kid. Mm-hmm. I think they this sort they were talking about his attitude as well. If it's if it's done in the right way, I mean, you need a bit of arrogance to play for that club anyway, don't you? He doesn't do you any harm. But you know, you need to, you need to be able to believe in yourself when things are going wrong. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. What well, like you were talking about? Well, I'm not too keen on him being criticised for having an attitude problem. I mean, John, you, this was part of the consequence of social media in the 24 and who say go. Did Lee Sharp and Ryan Giggs have an attitude problem when Fergie was showing up at their house? You know, because they were partying. You know, this is this. They're kids. Yeah, exactly. They're kids. They're easy at team. Of course, he's got an attitude problem. Easy at team. You know, he has to learn. They all do it. They all do it, mate. The only difference is some get caught. I remember Guardiola saying about um, fighting with Messi at team because he was showing up drinking Coca Cola at. Uh, pre-match meetings and everything. You're going, he's 18. Of course they do shit like this. This is normal. I mean, what is it that you expect from these people? Do you, this is what I mean about Sancho. They're that's still the normal people. When he was 18. Yeah, and that's the worst mess he done when he was 18, so that's not bad, that, is it? No, mate, honest to God, the stuff that I was doing at 18, I am glad there was no internet <laughs> back then. But, John, th- this is an important point because... Yeah, Our generation, it, it, I've had this conversation with my own 15-year-old son. And I said to him, I said, listen, I caught him using words on the internet that infuriated me. And he doesn't understand the consequence of what he's saying. And I sat him down, I said, I want you to understand something. First of all, it's completely unacceptable. and explained why it's unacceptable. Secondly, you are not going to be allowed to make juvenile mistakes the way you and I were. If you want to put your entire life on the internet, okay, and, and the world won't look upon you charitably if you make mistakes, and 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 I, I think like this is one of the the aspect, the, like the really the, the the sad sadness of 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 of, of you know the, the the world that we live in today that the internet and this is what these this is what these players have been brought up with, haven't it? They've been brought up with social media and. Instagram and God knows whatever else is out there. So then it's second nature. Yeah, I have one New Year's resolution. And I, I'm going to do everything I can to see this through. And that is to spend significantly less time on Twitter. Because not well, just the opportunity. I don't think we'll have to I know, I know, I know. I'll, I'll ask you about that. But the... the it's not just that. I know what you're saying, though. It is. The arguments are trying to so People used to go on, people talked about mental health, and I was never a big, you know, I'm not saying I didn't believe in it and all that business, but 
I honestly think social media has wrecked a lot of people, you know. Destroyed, mate. Absolutely destroyed. Not, not destroyed mental health. It has, it, yeah. There's an amazing book out, um, The Coddling of the American Man by Jonathan Haidt. Uh, and it talks about it shows the correlation. I don't mean to get off topic here, but it shows the correlation no, between young no. girls and suicide. Between young girls suicide and Instagram, boys, you know, suicide, juvenile suicide is horrendous, and the correlation between that and social media, and not just that the uh, the the vulnerable kids are to predators, everything else. It is just so so nasty. And, uh, it's I, horrendous, isn't it? It's I absolutely think, horrendous. Oh, man, it's brutal. Uh, 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 and people, people say Twitter's not real life. Bullshit. First of all, Twitter impacts our behavior. It shapes our society. It shapes our body politic. It shapes our conversations. It, uh, you know, the internet and those conversations shape public policy, shape laws. It absolutely is real life. And, and and it's not fair, and it's just uh, it is really really sad. Um, and the amplification of hate is just honestly something I really despair of. Uh, I want to ask you, John, uh, to bring the conversation back to United. So one of the things Liverpool fans did when Liverpool was uh, being bought or or under the uh, or certainly being being put up for sale is they put out a statement about how important it was for any potential neighbors to liaise with them. And to make sure that going forward, they're a fundamental part of the club's decision making, and there's a conduit between the owners and the fans that that's real. Um, I want to ask you about Must and what you think um, are, are, are the job that they have done, and ask what the United fans, what 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 core principles the United need to make sure that uh, are protected with new owners. You see, I know the lads at Must, and I know the hearts are in, they're in a total right place, but the thing is, you have such... This thing with the United Worldwide thing, again with Twitter, it is such a poisonous blend that anyone who tries to do anything with the club are immediately associated as, oh, you're on their side and all that. Especially when it, when it was with the Glazers. Oh, now, now somebody, else, somebody else is coming in. It's like what we said before. Won't you? Say you have like you you promise you won't take anything out of the club, like the Glazers have been. You don't take dividends. You look after ticket prices, and it's just basic human decency. I mean, let's be honest. We've never had good, great owners. Yeah. The Edwards, the Edwards took us for what over the years. It's never been that kind of club. United have never been a club that really looks after its supporters. You know, going back 20, 34 years, people have always had problems with the way United have treated people. I mean, and I just, and even if, sorry, mate, just to say ahead. that even if the, the owners do come in, it's probably just to get them through the door. There's no guarantee that they're going to stick to it all. And if they don't, what are the fans going to do? See, this is where I think. The independent regulator is really, really important. And maybe for United fans, it's better. Well, I mean, the dialogue with both is, is important, but maybe making sure a regulator... Because to me, the Glazer ownership is a failure of governance more than anything. It's a failure yeah, of, the, of, of the Premier League and, 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 and the, 
independent body uh, and, uh, uh, and the regulatory bodies to make sure that this type of hawkish ownership of major national I assets. Wrong, I could be wrong, Phil, but I'm not sure it's legal. They could do now what they did back then in 2005. Yeah, I, 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 there's some nuance to that, but uh, I don't think it can be done. You certainly can't do it here in the NFL, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and it never should have been allowed to happen. And it, 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 uh, and, and I would caution other fans celebrating that because whenever a president is set, we'll also visit your club too. I think for me, John, core principles, and I'm not naive, I understand the world we live in. I still think that United have to make sure that they remain intimate part of their community that their service in the community one thing i'll say about the city owners as much as their despots they've invested in the local community and i think that's really really important well that's where we live so we live east well we live in east manchester i mean sitting out i mean it's five tram stops you know you're on the you can be on the tram for five stops and it's it mm-hmm. what they've done over there is, is just it's remarkable they just they threw money at it but then again it's their money I also I think can't they, they landed on the wrong side of the city. To be quite honest, yeah. with well, I think John. I've no always sitting in all the world, and they, they land two miles from our house. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, I think what's also important is that no matter how much money you need to have, I still want to see things where they have a very close connection to the youth academy. I still want to see, yeah. make sure that the. You know, the the the, the fact that you know they've played a, a youth team player in the first team for seventy seven years. Um, I think I would like to see that continue. See these these things matter because I'll tell you why, John. Right? It's very tempting in the outset to say, let's just fill the squad up with superstars. But eventually there's something plastic about that. And if you look at City, City couldn't sell their their, their stadium out the day after the, the first game of the season started. That was after COVID and they won the league. Because even they know, whether they admit this or not, there's something that it lacks sport and merit, that it lacks authenticity because they're financially doped to the eyeballs. And I've said this before, and apologies to regular people who listen to this podcast for being repetitive, but th- what happened at City could have happened at Leighton Orient. It could have happened at Macclesfield. Any football club that was bought by those owners could have done exactly the same thing. Um, because none of the antecedents to City's success are rooted in what they were before they were bought. And so to me... I'm going to say uh, it at Newcastle, yeah. Phil. Give it three yeah. or four years. Oh, same thing. thing. It's going to be going on. Exactly. The same thing. And so I just I, I feel that there's still a lot to be said about sport and merit and feeling like, you know what, what are we celebrating when we want? Because... To me, I think there's the journey as well is really important. There's city fans who think the same as us, but they're never going to admit it. Of course. Of course. Their club, their club officially ended when they moved in. Said the same thing. The only thing that remains is the colour of the shirt. Everything is gone. And look, you could argue through the evolution of United, you know, um, there's some experience. I, some... I wish they would have bought light and Orient Phil. Ah, no doubt it would be a lot easier. But 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 um, I I can only see United being bought by uh someone from the Middle East, and I I want to be yeah. careful, John, because I want to say, you know, I don't have an issue with anyone from just because they're from the Middle East. It's a source of the no, money. Me neither. 
It's the source of the money that concerns me. And whether that's American, whether that's British, whether that it doesn't matter, right? And mm. and I've, it's again, it's a real world, Phil. It, even if Amazon come in, people would have a problem with it. If Apple come in, hundred percent. I'm not. I'm not sure, but it's whoever it is. There's, there's going to be like I'm saying, it's not going to be Santa Claus singing Laura Gore and Man United, is it? We're, we're going to get someone, and people are going to have a problem. But then again. It's the only way United. It's just the way the way you think because the Glazers are selling up. That's, and the bottom line is the only people who can afford them now is the Middle East, like or like you say, the Americans. Mm-hmm. I, I uh, have concerns about where and uh, where that will go if it's an investment company. Uh, let me ask you about January. Um, ID World. Who would you bring in in January? If I had your money, Phil, <laughs> uh, you know, do you know I'd love United to go for the kid at AC Milan, Portuguese lad. Is it Rafael Leal? Yeah. yeah. I think he's going to be a star. I, I like the other Portuguese kid as well, Atletico Felix. Joe Felix. Yeah, I think he's a cracking. Remember the header he got against us? I mean, he's not a big yes. lad, but I think he's got something about him. And the other one, well, I'll get murdered for this off some of my mates on Twitter. Is the Napoli centre forward Osimhen? But we're not going to get him unless it might be a possibility in the summer. But I, I think that's and maybe a right back. You can tell this is your money. Right? Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're the kind of players, hungry young players, who I think we should be going for. Um, you get your Harry Kings and all that business. What about? I think Leal is a magnificent player. I think, what about Gakpo? I think he's too similar to what he's another one, mate. He's, he's not an out and out centre forward. He's another one who can play on the left, play on the right, and hasn't really, I don't think, got a set position, has he? Whereas I think what we need is an established, like Rashford, he's another one. We need an established centre forward. Someone who'll stay in the middle. Well, let me ask not you about the runs, you know? What about the South American market? Because you're obviously someone that, you know, you wrote that amazing book on Maradona. I know you've done a podcast with Tim Vickery. Um, and it seems like Ten Hag likes players from that. I mean, you look at what Martinez has brought to United. Um, Casemiro was brought to United. Anthony, it seems like he... And I do think United have really not done a good enough job in that part of the world for a long, long time. Do um, you think that's, a, that's, a, that's an option for United just in January? Well, you're not going to get any Argentinians. Eh? None of them are going to be sober till bloody March. <laughs> so, uh, I, 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 I can, none of them really stand out. You know, this, this, the Argentinian lad, is, is it the, the Insmolan centre forward? Is it Warren? Laturo, Laturo Martinez. That's it. I rate him. I think he, he could, he's another one who plays through the middle. But, Joe, thinking today, I, c- I can't think of that many out and out centre forwards. The only we could possibly get. It's a bit of a dying. Didn't well, get it really. He likes big target men, which is obvious. Which mm. is why I think they want Sesco. You know, they really like Sesco, and um, you know he plays for a selling football club. I know he has a contract to go to Leipzig in the summer, um, but they would sell him at the right price. You know, so they did that to protect his price. 
not because yeah. they really want to play for Leipzig, because they want to protect his praise. Um, uh, and to be honest, I think FIFA needs to have a strong, hard look at these multiple owned football clubs like the City Football Group, like the Pazos and everything else that just try, because basically what they're doing is making sure the revenue stays in house and they're uh, it's basically moving money around. And I they're don't think the that's good. They're in the market as well, aren't they? It's like Chelsea, the amount of players they have out. Yes, it's, it's not right. Just gotta be careful because it it can get a little bit incestuous, can't it? The way the money's moving about and the players, it's, just, yeah. it's something not right about it. No, it's absolutely and not. Again, right. it's, that's that's the modern day money, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And that's what make and they have a saying in America: if it makes dollars and cents, it makes sense. <laughs> so that's that's what uh, that's uh, basically the uh, the 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 adage that they live by. Let me ask you about uh, David De Gea because um, he's had an excellent season. United are talking about not renewing his contract. I doubt they'll renew his contract on the terms that he has. But when it, uh, David De Gea, like I, I look at goalkeepers all over the world and I see every one of them with flaws. Right, I don't see any outstanding. I mean, I was hearing about this Diego Costa kid. Um, for Portugal, mm. he was this. He made plenty of mistakes in the World Cup. Good kid, good keeper. Not perfect. The hair's not perfect. Um, would you replace him, John? No. No, I think. I mean, nobody likes looking. You don't like looking back at players, but he was our player of the season for five years. One, and you mm-hmm. look what he was playing behind. And I think the last couple of years he makes mistakes because his confidence was probably shot. When you're playing in front of defenders, he was dropping clangers like Maguire. I'm sure he was going on safari up that left-hand side and uh, just <laughs> leaving huge gaps. And he's, even, he's shell-shocked, absolutely shell-shocked, I think, for a time. But you think why he was making mistakes? I don't think it was anything to do with getting a new contract. I just think it's because he was playing with some, basically, players who were just they were, it was disastrous United's defence last season and the year before I mean he's just been left wide open I'd, I'd definitely keep him I'd give him a new I'd give him another year's contract Phil because you're going to I mean who's out there that's any better you're only going to get someone who's you'll see a better behaviour playing behind better defenders I agree with that I, I think um for United, it's going to very much depend on who owns the football club because they've got much more pressing issues than David De Gea, in my opinion. If they're if it's still owned by the Glazers in the summer, they're going to have to prioritise, and they need a striker. So, um, I don't see them replacing De Gea and a striker and a defensive midfielder and a right back. I think they've got no, more priorities, mate. I think they're yeah, looking exactly, elsewhere. exactly, exactly. Um. They have Burnley and Forest stopped, of course. Uh, Burnley and Wednesday in the League Cup. I would imagine that would be primarily consistent of United's you know, younger players. Some of the younger players come through the academy. Who excites you the most, John? Uh, would it be Garnacho? Anyone else would say to that? Uh, maybe maybe Cubby Manny or something. Who? Uh, what? What are those young players you you're looking forward to seeing? I I think that Garnacho is going to be a star, Phil. I do honestly. I think he's going to be an absolute cracking player. And I like the young, is it the Iraqi kid, Iqbal? Yeah, is it an Iqbal? He's a Pakistani Iraqi ball, kid, yeah. He's a little ball player. Do you know what he reminds me of? You probably slam your phone down on this. He reminds me of someone like Lukic, not Lukic, not Lukic, a Modric, Modric or the Skulls. Yeah. Do you know the way he gets it and he passes it and he passes and moves? 
He's, I think he's just got something about him. He, he, he uh, does look I'm, technically very good. Um, I, I, I think them two, they're, they're the two that I hope. Cause he yeah. played it well, didn't he, in a couple of friendlies? Yeah, he did. He had a, some pre-season games, and I think uh, they're very lucky in the sense that... Uh, well, 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 let me ask you this. What about Alanga? Oh, I, I think he's a squad player, to be yeah. quite honest, man. I think he'd probably be at Everton in two years. You know, is it, it, he's not... If United yeah. want to get to where they're going, where he wants to get to, I should say, I, I don't think he's... Don't get me wrong, he's a, he's a big-hearted player who's fast, but when you watch him, I just don't think he's uh, top top level. I mean, he's still a kid. Just just an opinion. He just doesn't excite me in the same way Agonacho would. Like, or when Mason Greenwood was first coming through, even when Riceford was first coming through, he doesn't doesn't excite me he's on that level. He's about him, isn't he, Phil, when you first see him? You know, I mean, they've got that, that little magic about these young players when they come through, like we've gonna actually on Rashford did. But you thought, what have we got here? You just I just don't I think so I trust him. Because yeah. he'll do a job, but I don't think long term. I just think my uh, opinion, you know, he could go on and run the ballon d'or but I won't better. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure about Alanga, but certainly um, Granacho excites me, Zelanek Ball excites me. There's a couple of others down there that um, I think are, 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 are copy my news of really, really talented young boy as well. Um, Charlie Savage, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, Charlie McNeil, and uh, may have a, a chance. So there's a couple of players down there that uh, I do like. Um, I want to ask I think you. I'll but... chance, I think I'll get a chance with Tanag, you know. If he fancies, if, you know, because I think the great thing about Tanag, we've got ourselves a modern coach. Oh, he's brilliant, man. You know, he's absolutely that. brilliant. Yeah. I think I think one I of the things about these guys doing isn't just about their ability to coach, it's their ability to psychologically manage people. And I think what happened yeah. after Brantford, because something broke after Brantford where the club completely changed. And I think oh. when he when he dragged them in and done that run with them, I honestly think that was genius. Yeah. Because he showed, yeah. I'm willing to win their chances with you. I take responsibility. It's not just you, it's me too. And I think that's how you get the respect of a dressing room. So I think, uh, I think so far, Ten Hag's done an absolutely outstanding job. Um, and, I don't uh, think anyone else can. Yeah, I think he's he's been brilliant, Phil. Totally agree. Uh, and and some of the criticism that he faced when he first came over, he's uh, he's answered that. Let me uh, have a bit of fun here, John. I'm going to ask you a few United questions, right? So let me let me see if how many of these you can get. So oh, I'm going God. to start out with um, between the two thousand. I'm not allowed to Google. I'm not allowed to Google. Am I? No, <laughs> you've, you've, got, you've got 10 seconds to answer the question, <laughs> so you don't Google. Go on. Between Go the on. 2008... He says turning Google off. All right, get that off. Uh, um, between 2008-2009 and 2011-12 seasons, he averaged one hat-trick per season as a Man United player, but three of his four hat-tricks were scored in one season. Who was this player? Ronaldo. I think, listen, let me ask you again. Between the 2008 and 9 
and 2011 right. and 12 seasons, right. he averaged one hat-trick per season as a Man United player, but three of his four hat-tricks were scored in one season. He was his player. Silky Bulgarian. Oh! Berbatov. That's him. <laughs> that's you, man. He got the action against Liverpool, didn't he? Yeah, oh. he did. That's it. All right. It's the best you feel you say. <laughs> no fun in France either, Tom. I don't have one. In the, in the 2009 <laughs> Premier League season, United finished second in the league table. Who finished first? Chelsea. Yes, good job. Well done, man. Wow. Which United player retired with a career total of 129 caps? Becker. Choices are Bobby Charlton, Schmeichel, or Robson? Schmeichel. There you go, Peter Schmeichel. Is that right? Yes. Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm not going to ask that one. How many you got? These. Okay, two more. <laughs> two more. Sir Alex Ferguson's <laughs> first club signing was Viv Anderson. Who did he buy him from? Not Forest. Arsenal. Arsenal. Yes. Arsenal. <laughs> no. Okay. Last one. Um, Ten out of the eleven Busby Babes Englishmen, seven of them already honoured at full international level for England by the time the Munich disaster happened. Who were the three that remain uncapped? That's a hard Eddie one. Eddie Coleman. Yep. Roger. Oh, the, the, the kid. No, Jeff. Was it Jeff? Coleman. The kid who went to Munich at the last minute. Dennis. Dennis Violet. Yes. Well, it's Dennis Violet, Eddie Coleman, and Bill Folks. Jones. Coleman, Jones, oh. and Violet. So, uh, in 1958, Byrne, mm-hmm. Edwards, Taylor were established England internationals. With Byrne on a run of 33 games, England, one of the favourites oh, to do well in our cup, is eventually certain that Coleman, Jones, and Violet, all three of them, were on a threshold of full international recognition. So... Um, there you go, Matt. So, uh, I have a bunch of other ones. There, you know, it's 65 years, isn't it? This year, so unbelievable, that, unbelievable, it's crazy, isn't it? Every year, it still still gets people, doesn't it? Matt, I, I, was, I was having this conversation the other day about uh, I was actually talking to a Liverpool fan who was talking about their obviously six European clubs, and I was saying, you know. The Busby Babes had survived. United would be sitting on six, seven European Cups right now. There's no doubt about that. That I mean, that young team would have went on to win multiple European Cups. And I the think, tragic, yeah, the, the, I think the, they definitely won a couple. At the, uh, but at the at the time, they was that great Real Madrid. Yeah, Real Madrid. Real Madrid I think they, 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 they shared it between them. I think for the, for a few years, but. They definitely, they definitely won it a few, few times. That's even said on one twice, John. You've got to remember, three, four years later, Best was turning up money, and Law was. So, could you imagine them with the team that the United, that United had? I think when you look at Matt Busby 
10 years after Munich winning the European Cup. That to me, and I know I'm biased, I'm biased, is the greatest achievement by any football manager in the history of English football because it wasn't just about rebuilding. It was, remember, this is at a time whenever you weren't able to go in the transfer market and buy whoever you wanted. You had to do it from the round up, not the mansion, mm. the insane psychological issues Sir Matt must have been suffering from, the grief. The, the, you know, we talk about mental health. We, we, we talk about mental health today. Can you imagine what he was going through at that time? Well, he had the extra, should he, got, should he let him go on the plane for the third time? Yeah. That haunted him. That haunted him over the years. And I just think that that 10, year from, that 10 years from 58 to winning it, it wasn't, it was a crusade. And people forget, United didn't get back into the European Cup. So was it 65? Well, after, after, they had to, yeah. to even try and win the European Cup, they had to get back in it. And like, well, we know, don't we, in them days, you had to either win the thing or win your league. Mm. So within three years of getting back in it, we won it. See, John, yeah. I want to go back to sort of what I mentioned earlier and when I said what will be remembered with Ronaldo as the football. Because what moves us emotionally as United fans is the memories in the football. I still watch that 68 European Cup final. I wasn't even alive when it happened. And it makes me emotional because obviously I love the football club, you know, and of course I think about what happened 10 years before that and think about how it must have felt. 10 years is not a long time. And then, I mean, I still watch 99 and get goosebumps. I still watch lots of old things that I've seen a thousand times. I mean, I uploaded a video of George Best the other day. I've seen the clips a thousand times and still it moves me. This is what I'm saying where ultimately what gets remembered is what is well, done that's on your, the pitch. That's your history, isn't it? That, that's, that's your club. That's why you, that's this playing a, a youth team player in every, every squad. That's, that's the magic of Manchester United. And I'm not saying the magic stems from Munich, I mean, but the worldwide support, the nationwide support, I think came out of Munich. Because we, plus also, those lads, wherever they played before the crash, they had the song, didn't they? If you're playing in, I'd make sure you get to that football ground. And mm-hmm. I think that's where it came from. That's and then you get you get to the seventies. But you say about that sixty-eight final film that could have gone terribly wrong. That when you went through in the last couple yes. of minutes. And, yes, yes, so, sometimes I I think this I I don't know what you call it. I don't think it's magic. Whether it's fate, I don't know. Yeah. I just don't think we was going to be allowed to lose that that night. But John, if you think just, about that. I, I, I think that, Munich needed an ending like that. I don't think, you know, United would have... Well, they didn't really recover, did they? Because six years later, they got relegated. It was just something they had to win. It was like an albatross yes. around the neck. And this you is know, one... Do you know, I there's friends of my dad who, after that night in 1968, that was it for them. They never watched United again. That was enough. Yeah, a lot of others. I, I understand that. I, I think um, this is what City can't buy. This is, I know there's not under a Goro moment, right? But yeah. if you look at all three of United's European Cup wins, they should have lost them, right? I yeah. mean, they should have lost the Bayern Munich in 99. John Terry steps up and should have scored. And the, and Matt Busby's birthday as well, wasn't it? Yeah. 99. Oh, I forgot about that, yeah. Uh, and and you, you look at that and you think, this is what makes something 
great. These sporting moments that can't be replicated and it's achieved through sport and merit. If you look at Bob Busby 10 years later, you know, unbelievable accomplishment what Ferguson did. Because Ferguson, in relation to the world's, you know, best teams, they, you know, they, I mean, you often complained about this at the time, they didn't have the money to buy the players that the top teams did. You know, yes, he bought players. Yes, that they spent well. But the, in comparison to the Real Madrid's Barcelona, Juventus and everything at the time, United weren't spending that type of money on those players. And I think um, in 2008 against Chelsea, you know, we've all been dragged back from absolute heartbreak to pure elation one, that you just can't replicate. One of the longest replicate. nights of my life, that, that was just, it seemed to go on forever, didn't it? I mean, oh, absolutely, it, it, and that's a thing. Like sport does that to you in a way. Where it, it I mean, we look at the World Cup final. If you're French or you're Argentinian, I mean, from abject despair to pure elation. I mean, '99. I remember sitting. I was in tears. I was thinking, we'll never win this. Ninety seconds yeah. later, I'm experiencing a high that um, maybe drugs or the birth of your children can only be compared to because it's just absolutely you know I, I did a book i did a book a couple of years ago my united role as a mate of mine nicky welsh he's, he was united uh never really made it but he always he had a cracking story nicky lovely fella but he was he was we were talking about there's a chap there's a chapter because he was there that night and we were trying to explain what it was like between the first goal and the second goal and I spoke to loads of people and it's like they've just been oh, kidnapped by aliens. No one can describe it. There's people who didn't know we scored the second goal because they were still on the floor celebrating the first. There was others who just yeah. couldn't <laughs> No one could describe it. That that moment from Giggs, uh, Sheringham scoring to the corner, in between that, it was just, it was just out of this world. And that's where the magic comes from. Yes. Comes from Phil. I mean, we talk about United going for six billion. United are going not just because they're a growing concern around the world. They're going because of moments like that, the history and mm-hmm. everything else that's gone on. Your best war child, Canson, Robson. That's what you're buying. Yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. The and their iconic, uh, you know, impact on football as a whole, uh, all over the world. Because so, like we said, whoever buys it. If they if they run it right and they, they treat it like it should be treated for what they, what United is and the way it's just been let go, if they, if they, if they run it right, they get the money back. Oh, with interest, and it's, it's not about. I mean, I know it's not about that, but in the, like we say in the real world, in the modern world, that's how these people are going to think, aren't they? Whoever comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I completely agree. Um, but we will see what happens. John, it's been an art, so I'm going to let you get back to your, your evening. I want to thank you very much for taking the time to do this, mate. It's been something I've wanted to do for a long time. I hope all our listeners enjoy this. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever it is you celebrate this time of year. Much love to all of our listeners and to yourself, John, and your family. Thank you very much for taking the time to do this, mate. Really enjoyed it, Phil, honestly. Even the quiz. <laughs> I'll make, I'll, I'll make it easier next time. I've loved talking. I really enjoyed talking to you, mate. I've been a big fan of yours on there for ages, and it's been it's been really good fun. I've enjoyed it. Pleasure, mate. Thank you so much, John. Uh, take it easy, pal. See ya. You look after yourself.